piece of scripture that I want to read today. It's the Easter story, if you will, found in Mark chapter 16, verses 1 through 8, and, and we're going to read it, and we're going to read it at a base value. We're going to read it for what it is, and for many of you joining today, uh, this may be an experience that you're used to. Maybe you come to Easter service traditionally. Maybe you don't go to church all the time, but you come to Easter service traditionally, and so you would know this story. You would know this moment. We read it every single year, and, uh, and it's kind of something that is in many ways just a part of the Easter moment, but today my hope is this, is that we can read it from a different perspective, that we can look at it from a different perspective, because I think uh, this year, uh, uh, this year especially, like right now in this moment especially, we have to see it a little bit differently. Uh, and I'll explain that in a few more, in a few more moments. But Mark chapter 16, verses 1 through 7 says this. It says, when the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome bought spices so that they go and anoint him, him being Jesus. Very early in the morning on the first day of the week, they went to the tomb at sunrise. They were saying to one another, who will roll away the stone from the entrance to the tomb for us? Looking up, they noticed that the stone was very large, had been rolled away. When they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in white robes sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed, as you would be in this moment, right? Don't be alarmed, he said. Now, how many of you just pause there for a second and be like, what are you talking about? That's what you're supposed to do in a moment like this. Stone's been rolled away. Jesus isn't there. Some dude in white saying, don't be alarmed. You're alarmed. That's what you do. He said, don't be alarmed. You are looking for Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. And I love this part. He has risen. He is risen. He is not here. See the place where they put him. But go, tell the disciples and Peter he's going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there just as he told you. Today as we celebrate Easter Sunday, I want to speak to you from the subject, there is more to the story. There is more to the story as we look at what the resurrection of Jesus teaches us. Will you pray with me just one more time in this moment? Jesus, we love you. We worship you and we honor you in this place. God, we give you this space to move in a way that only you can move in our hearts and in our minds and in our life. And so it's right now with faith and expectancy that we sit before you, needing your word for our lives. We do not need any other voice right now. We do not need Jason's voice. We do not need the news's voice. We do not need the voice of our circumstance or our situation. We need your voice. And it's by way of your voice that everything is changed. It's by way of your voice that everything is renewed. It's by way of your voice that everything is made new. And so God, we declare right now that your voice is the leading voice, is the presiding voice. It is the voice of authority over our life right now. And so we look to you. We listen to you. Our ears are open. Our hearts are ready to receive from you. Speak to us now in Jesus' mighty name. Come on, and everybody shouted, amen and amen. You know, uh, for those of you who don't know me, I've got three kids. I've got a, a 10-year-old, an 8-year-old, and a 2-year-old. And uh, like many of you right now, uh, we are going quarantine crazy. How many of you know what I'm talking about? And uh, for us, the interesting thing was is that we actually... Uh, decided this year to do homeschool. We like willfully said yes to this journey of homeschooling. Many of you were thrust into this moment as schools have closed and you got your kids at the last minute. We've had them all year. And it's been insane. 
and more so for my wife than it's been for me. And so our kids have been uh, cooped up in the house now for a couple of weeks like many of yours are. And, and I don't know if you'd agree with me on this, but things are starting to get a bit nuts, right? The, the household's turning into Lord of the Flies. It's getting scary, right? Stuff's a mess. The kids are all over the place. And now we're just kind of like, get outside. And they're like, it's freezing. We're like, we don't care. And then you lock the door. And so our kids, they've, they've been in this whirlwind with us in this moment. But one thing that I've started to notice with my kids is that they've become increasingly more agitated with each other. They've been increasingly more frustrated with each other, especially even as their parents have grown more and more frustrated with them. But uh, especially my son and my daughter, uh, the, the 10-year-old and the 8-year-old, they're actually 15 months apart. And so... Uh, because of their closeness, they have a tendency to do a lot together. They watch the same movies together. They watch the same shows together. They do homework together. They do school together. Uh, my son's constantly wanting to play. And so he's always inviting Shiloh, my, uh, my daughter, uh, to come play with him. And so it's all the time. But they're, they're more and more and more as we're more and more quarantined, right, more and more frustrated. And just they want to hurt each other. And so we're trying to keep them apart. But what has happened in our house because of this is tattletailing has gone up significantly. Like every seven and a half minutes, there is a new, Shiloh did this, Justice did this, she did this, Eliana, who's our two-year-old, then they both want to blame her for everything, right? They're like, it wasn't us, it was her. And she's just standing there with still drool coming out of her mouth. And so they're tattletailing on each other all the time. And something happened, I'm not going to go into the details of the story, but something happened the other day where uh, my son walked in and my two-year-old daughter walked in and my, my two-year-old daughter was going off the rails. And so I engaged in the situation and I didn't get the full scope of what was going on until my two-year-old daughter, two years old, engaged in tattletailing as well. And then I thought, game over, I'm quarantining them to their rooms for the rest of this COVID-19 situation. <laughs> Right? And as I dug into it a little bit more, I started to realize that I engaged in the story with only half the story. It was in this moment of tattletaling, it was in the, in the throes of emotion and in the throes of anger and frustration that I realized as I dug into it more and more that there was more to the story. That everything that I had thought happened actually didn't happen and that there was a whole other Side to an Easter Sunday, the resurrection is the story of Jesus for sure. But we have to understand something is that there still is more to the story. And see, for many of us, we look at Easter Sunday and we come to this moment every single year and it's like, okay, here we go, we're going to show up to church, it's going to be the same story. Yes, we know Jesus went to the cross and he was buried and everybody was quiet and then Sunday he got up, yay! And that's awesome. And if we're honest, like, I just minimized it a little bit in that moment, but that's how Easter Sunday is for a lot of us. And at first glance, the theological ramifications of this truth, the resurrection, they're precise and, and they're weighty for sure. And one has to understand that the backbone of this message, the gospel, is the resurrection, absolutely. And without it, we are provided with a gospel of bravado at best, but not one of substance. It is in the resurrection that we see the glory of the gospel message come full circle. Absolutely. But there's still more to the story. See, Jesus' ministry, the three years that he did public ministry, was the revealing of who Jesus was and is. Jesus' death was the necessary sacrifice needed to appease a debt that was Good Friday. Jesus' resurrection was the triumphant 
declaration of power over death. The same power that brings change inside every single one of us. And this is a beautiful story. It is a beautiful gospel. It is what we all need to know and understand. And we can hang our theological hats on that. We can hang the truth and the substance of our salvation on the resurrection. But there's still more to the story. That's what's crazy about this whole thing. There's still more. We said it right here. There's still more to the story. And that's what I want us to understand because it's one thing to understand the how and the what, and that is Jesus coming back to life. It's another thing to understand the why. It's another thing to understand that this story is very personal to you and to me. It's not just the theological backbone, the biblical backbone of our faith. The why behind it is this voracious love for you and for me. And that's what I want to look at today. That's what I want to spend the remainder of our time on this morning is that I want us to understand that there's so much more to the story. I don't want us to see the resurrection of Jesus as one dimensional. I don't want us to come at it just straightforward. I want us to gaze upon the beauty of it from all kinds of different angles because as we do so, as our eyes are laid upon the beauty of this gospel message, we start to understand that it wasn't just Jesus getting out of the grave, but it was a triumph. It was power over death. It was him saying that I have the ultimate authority and because of that authority, we could trust him with some stuff. And I think that's the reason so many times we struggle is because we don't understand the why. And when we understand the why, oh man, it changes everything. It changes everything. So what I want to do today is I want to look at three significant truths that the resurrection of Jesus establishes for us. This is us taking now the resurrection of Jesus and looking at it from a different angle and understanding what's actually in it for us. And I know that statement can sound a little bit selfish, but what I'm hoping to do is, is, is to clear some of the distance that many of us have put between us and the resurrection of Jesus. Think about that statement. I think for many of us, we can come and we go, oh, this is just another Christian moment. We know it as details in our head, but I'm wondering if it's transformed our life. I want to clear some distance between us seeing this as this abstract moment in this abstract book, but rather this personalized thing, God in flesh, who lived, who died, and who rose again. And if we understand it more than an abstract reality, it changes who we are. It declares freedom in our lives. It declares hope for you and me. And in a moment like this right now, in this culture, and in this society, we need Jesus more than ever. So what does it mean? Three truths the resurrection of Jesus establishes for us. Here's the first one, is that our story is not defined by the details, but rather the design. Come on, somebody, that's a good place to say amen right there. Our story is not defined by the details, but rather the design. And I think this truth right here applies to us right now more than ever. You see, it'd be so easy to look at the details of our lives and call it over. I mean, the truth is that the disciples that were hanging out with Jesus, they did. Think about it. You're following this man for three years. You're living on every word that he's saying, every moment, every healing, every miraculous situation. You're hanging on it. And they put their faith and they put their trust and they put their future. Think about it. They put their future 
into Jesus. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, they are standing back, watching him placed upon a cross, giving his last breath, and then being placed in a grave. The details looked a lot different than they thought they were going to look. What king comes to die upon a cross? What king comes to offer his life? What king comes leaving in a procession of blood? What king is wrapped and buried, placed in a tomb and a stone rolled in front of it? What king makes their throne a grave? These were the details. These were the thoughts leading up to this Easter moment. And all of a sudden, Sunday comes. All of a sudden, the details started to be moved aside and design started to come out. All of a sudden, the details were overcome and the design was seen. All of a sudden, Jesus getting out of the grave and, and, and rising again, proof that there is a design that is so much greater than the details. And for some of us right now, we are looking at the details of life. We're looking at the details of our situation. We're looking at the details of our circumstances. And we need to realize more than ever before in this moment, in this time, that the details do not matter as much as the design matters. And details may say one thing, but there is a design that says so much more. There is a designer that says so much more. It's not the details that matter, but the design. But this is our natural tendency, isn't it? To go back to the details. The details, because you want to look at the details, right? The funny thing is that we always want to look at the details of life, but we never check out the details of Ikea furniture. Think about that. Right? That's how I build it. But for many of us, man, we're constantly examining the details, the details, the details, the details. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 10. It's a letter in the Bible written by a man named Paul. He wrote a lot of the, the New Testament, which is the backside of the Bible. And he says this. He says, for you are saved by grace through faith. And this is not from yourselves, praise God. <laughs> it's God's gift, not from works, so that no one can boast. And then this is what I want us to hear. This is where it shows us that the design is so much greater than the details. For we are his, check it out, workmanship. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God, check it out, he prepared ahead of time. They were prepared ahead of time for us to do. In other words, there's a design for your life and for my life. And the details may get mixed up in the broken world that we live in. The details may get crossed over and we don't understand why and we don't get it. But what we need to understand is regardless of how the details look, oh, come on, somebody, get up on your couch right now. Doesn't matter what the details look like. It's about the design. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do these things long before we knew it. It's not about the details. Our story is not defined by the details, but rather the design. And we're having church in this empty room right now. <laughs> I want to make some statements. For some of us, we can anchor our hearts in these statements today. Here's the first statement I want to make. The details of our life may render us hopeless, but in Christ, 
we have all hope. And hope, the Bible tells us, that does not disappoint. Here's another one. The details of our life may render us broken, but in Christ we find that there is great wholeness and restoration. The details of our life might render us fearful, but in Christ the Bible tells us that there is no fear in perfect love. The details of our life may define us as abandoned, but in Christ we have security and we are told that he will never leave us nor forsake us. The details of our life may define us as worthless, but in Christ we are called sons and daughters. The details of our life may declare and say that we are lost, but in Christ, come on somebody, we are found. The details say one thing, but the design trumps them. The design trumps the details. Some of us got off on the wrong foot in life. I get it. The details have not been the way that we wanted them to be. But can I just tell you there's still a greater design? There's a greater design for your life. There's a greater design for my life. We've got to stop trusting the details so much and start trusting the design. And I think one of the greatest reasons that for so many of us we've hit a wall in life is because we've failed to realize that there is a design we think there's no point in this. We think there's nothing happening in the background, but that's, that's what I need us to hear today. The resurrection tells us that there's more to the story. That there's more to the story, and the design prevails. Here's the second truth that the, that the resurrection teaches us today. It's this, that when we can't see past the storyline, we can always trust the author. Think about that. When we can't see past the storyline, we can always trust the author. I love a good story. Come on, anybody out there today? If you're, if you're making comments in the comment section, just put a hand up right now, right? It's so weird, that's how I have to say amen nowadays. Just throw it in the comment section. I love a good story. Uh, right now, this is just kind of my personality and my humor, um, we decided that this is an appropriate time for us to watch the Hunger Games. And so... Uh, Erica and I, we started the, uh, this awesome movie series, The Hunger Games, and so we've been watching it if the kids go to bed, and uh, we've been hanging out, and uh, I, love, I love the storyline of it. Erica read the books, and, and, and so many other movies that we watch right now, uh, I, love, I love the stories. I loved how they're developed, and, and I have a proclivity towards different, uh, different authors, and I have a proclivity towards different movie directors, because I love the way that some of these individuals tell Stories, And I think many of us do. Some of us have, uh, when a director does a movie, you're like, I don't even care what the movie's about. I'm going to go see that movie because this guy did the storyline. And, and that's an important reality for us. And, and I think it's the, the same truth in life and the same truth in faith is that when we understand who's written the story, when we understand who the author is, when we put our trust in the author, we understand that we can't see past the storyline at all times. But boy, I could trust the author. I can trust the one who is written writing this story. Our stories have ups. They have downs. They have things that we can't see past. But the truth is, is that there's an author writing the story even when the story doesn't make sense. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 to 2, New King James Version actually tells us this. Listen to this powerful piece of scripture says, therefore we also, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, the story that's set before us. 
In other words, the Bible's saying right here, listen, there, there's, a, there's a race, there's a story, there's a thing that you're participating in. Run. Don't let things get attached to you. Just, just walk, walk it out. Run it out. Do whatever you need to do with some swagger. Walk it out, right? Like do what you need to do. And then he says this, verse 2, looking unto Jesus. But who is Jesus? He is the author and the finisher of our faith. Let me say that one more time in case you did not get that this morning. He is the author and the finisher of our faith. So we may not understand the storyline. We may not get the storyline. But we have an author and a finisher of that story. We have one who has breathed life into our story. And he will finish our story. And the resurrection tells us that he's got it all under control. When we do not understand the story. Come on, have you ever watched those movies where you have no idea what's going on? Come on, how many of you know what I'm talking about? Have you ever watched that movie with a person who constantly wants to ask what's going on and you want to punch them? Yeah, me too. I love the movie. I actually enjoy the movies. Like, I'm just weird this way, but I enjoy the movies where I kind of am a little bit lost sometimes. And then all of a sudden at the end of the movie, they hook you, right? They flip the script on you, and all of a sudden there's like an audible gasp. <sighs> what just happened? That's a story of, that's a journey of faith. I remember when I saw Sixth Sense for the first time. I watched it in the theater with all these people. And I remember at the end, spoiler alert, if you have not seen Sixth Sense, I'll pray for you. And then here's the end. Um, so, remember at the end of the movie, I'm sitting in this theater. And this plot twist happens. Massive plot twist. And I'll still never forget the chills that went down my body as everybody in the theater audibly gasped. Because the plot changed. And I remember sitting back in that moment, and I, and I remember going to myself, oh my gosh, like, this dude, the author, the, the, the guy who wrote this thing, he threw a plot twist in there and changed everything by the stroke of his pen. And I went, that is the power of an author. And I think so many times we are so locked into the story that we still don't get the power of the author. And the story may look a certain way, but in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, all of a sudden the story switches because the author made a move. And our faith tells us that our author got up out of the grave. Plot twist. Plot twist. Some of you like, he shouts everywhere. Yes. This story gets me so excited. Why? Because when we can't see past the storyline, we can always trust the author. I gotta tell you right now, I can't see past the storyline. This storyline is weird. Plug your kids' ears. This storyline sucks. The storyline is not how we planned it. I remember six weeks ago, eight weeks ago, we're planning Easter services with no thought of COVID. We were not sitting in an office planning to have no one in the room and for me to be preaching to a camera while you all do church at home in your onesies with coffee. Hopefully you dress better than that today because it's just fun. <laughs> we didn't see it coming. I didn't see it coming. And there's a lot of people losing their minds right now because of it. Here's one thing that I'm settling my life in. Here's one thing that I'm settling my hope in. Here's one thing that I'm settling my truth in. It's that when I can't see past the storyline, I can always trust the author. You can trust the author. I may not get it, 
I'm not saying that God caused this. I don't think that. I think the world that we live in, the brokenness that we live in, the reality that we live in, the, 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 the reality of what we live in throws us all kinds of curveballs that find their way into my storyline. And when I don't understand the storyline, I choose to trust my author. Here's the third and final thing, third and final truth I want us to hear today. It's this. The resurrection tells us that there is no such thing as over. Come on, can we just collectively give a shout right now? That's something to say. Like, hey, come on. There's no such thing as over. It ain't over till it's over. And in the kingdom of heaven, there is no such thing as over. John chapter 14, verses 1 through 3 would tell us this. It says, don't let your heart be troubled. Come on, that's good news for somebody right now. That's just something to encourage you. Don't let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If not, I would have told you. <laughs> this, is, this is just plain as day. I'm going away, Jesus, I'm going away to prepare a place for you. If I go away and prepare a place for you, I will come again and I will take you to myself so that where I am, you may be also. In other words, there is no such thing as over. The resurrection shows us that there is no such thing as over. In kingdom currency, in the kingdom of heaven, God constantly flips the script and where we think it's over, he's just getting started. When we think it's done, he's just getting warmed up. When we think this thing is coming to an end, oh come on, he's getting up on Sunday morning. It ain't over. I want to I want to say something to you for the sake of being cheesy and cliché something that so many people have said before, but I thought that it just bared, well, repeat today. And I wanna declare this over your life, I'm declaring it over my life. Someone once said it like this, do not put a period where God put a comma. Do not put a period where God put a comma. And I think for many of us, we look at our addiction issue and we've put a period. Can I just tell you that God did not put a period there. He put a comma. He put resurrection power over that thing. For many of us, we're facing loneliness and we put a period there. Can I just tell you that God did not put a period there. He puts a comma there. There is power of that. Where the Spirit of God breathes on it. There is new life. There is resurrection power. And the gospel, the truth of Jesus who died, was buried, and rose again tells us that there is no such thing as over. There's no such thing as over. Jesus' resurrection is mankind's guarantee that he is the unique, wonderful, powerful, substantial, and sustaining Son of God. That his ability to be the author is based upon authority. Think about that for a second. And I wish you were here with me right now because we'd just be just getting going. <laughs> Think about that for a moment. If I wanted to try to jump in and change the story of the Hunger Games, how many of you know I would be removed forcibly from the building? They wouldn't let me go in there. They wouldn't let Jason perish, right? They're not, they're not stopping and going, hey, Jason, he, he, he's been looking at things. He doesn't like the storyline. He needs to come in here, and he's going he's gonna to switch a few things around, right? 
Like he's gonna, he's just gonna bring his pen in and he's gonna red mark some things. He doesn't like how the story went. How many of you know the reason that I am not allowed to do that type of play in the writing is because I have no authority over the story. I have no business being in that story. But the reason that we can trust God with our story and that we know that there is no such thing as over is because he has authority over the story. He has authority in the writing of this thing. And where you and I think that it's done, oh, he's just getting started. Where you and I think we've been tripped up, he's just getting ready for a miracle. Easter Sunday shows us that he was getting up. That is the gospel. It's the good news. And I don't know where you're at today. I do not know what you are facing today. But can I just tell you, there is no such thing as over. 